Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest concludes with Part 7 of the series, Alien Invasion. If anything should happen to me, you must go to court. You must say these words, Klaatu, Barada, Nikto. All right, this is our confession. This is our faith statement as a church. So say it with me. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Let me hear you. Woohoo! Come on, let me hear you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, This is our final installment of Alien Invasion. Amen. Praise the Lord. My wife's like, amen. (laughs) Some people are more into the alien invasion than others. But listen, we've learned a lot over this series and we're not done yet. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Each week in this series, we've begun with an opening statement to the residents of planet Earth. And we've been doing that for two reasons. Number one, we've been couching a discussion of end times in science fiction and science fantasy uh, terms and imagery to have a little fun with it. But also, it served as an outline of the end times topics that we've been discussing. So this week, we're going to wrap up the series by going through that outline, line by line, item by item, and verifying each statement with the Scriptures. Amen? Now listen, for the sake of time, we're not going to read every Scripture that we've used but we'll list the ones we don't have time to read this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. So here's the opening statement broken into segments. First of all, there are aliens in our midst who have mingled with the population of the earth for thousands of years. And we've discovered in this series that we are the aliens in this story. Amen. Jesus made it clear that he and his followers were not of this world. So we are indeed aliens. You can read about that in John chapter 17, 14, and also John 17, 16. Amen. For almost 2,000 years, we have been in this world, but not of this world. Amen. Listen, we might look like the earthlings on the outside, but on the inside, we were born from planet heaven. Amen. Glory to God. These aliens... They come from a world that is billions of light years from this planet, one that is more powerful and more technologically advanced than anything we could ever imagine here on earth. All right, first of all, New Testament believers are born from above and are citizens of planet heaven. And we're waiting for our new bodies that we'll receive from the Lord when he comes for us. And you can read about that in Philippians 3.20. All right. So how do I know that this planet, planet heaven, is billions of light years away? Well, since New Jerusalem is described in terms of north, south, east, and west, we know that it is situated on a planet, one that I refer to and other teachers I've heard refer to as planet heaven. And you can read that in Revelation 21.13. Now, I'm fairly certain that planet heaven is at least 14 billion light years to the north of planet earth. And I'll tell you where I get that from. Psalm 48, verse 2. 
Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Now, if it's declaring that it's the city of the great king, that's God Almighty. Now, we all know that there's an earthly Jerusalem, amen, and that there's a heavenly Jerusalem. This is kind of a double reference to both. It says beautiful in elevation. King James says beautiful in situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. The word sides means the highest part of. So you could read it like this. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, which is another name for New Jerusalem or the heavenly city, is Mount Zion on the highest parts of the north, the city of the great king. That means as far north as you can go. Now, if you go up the North Pole and you go past the North Star, which is about 430 light years away, and you keep on going, eventually you're going to get to the edge of what we can see with our technology. And what we can currently see with our technology is about 14 billion light years out in every direction. A sphere of 14 billion light year radius is what we can see. So I know for a fact that if the heavenly city is on the highest parts or the highest elevations of the north, it's got to be at least 14 billion light years away, probably way farther than that, because that only includes the stars that we can see. How about the stars we may not be able to see with current technology? Amen. Glory to God. Everybody follow my logic there? So I think I can say with confidence that planet heaven is billions of light years to the north of us. Now, also I can say with confidence that technologically planet heaven can do things we can't do on planet earth. It's kind of cool, actually. They can make city streets out of transparent gold and city gates out of a single pearl. That's in Revelation 21.21. Let me expound on that for a little bit so that you can... uh, be wowed. <laughs> Hallelujah. First of all, it is not possible on earth to produce transparent gold because to do so, you would have to remove all impurities, zero impurities. And in earth's atmosphere conditions, it is not possible to remove all impurities out of gold. Even in its most purified form, gold still looks kind of yellow. But in heaven, gold is purified to the point where you can see right through it like glass. Isn't that cool? And the streets are made out of transparent gold. Hallelujah. Glory to God. They also have the gates of the city, and there's 12 of them total, made out of a single pearl. Now, I've done the math, and the the walls of the city of New Jerusalem are 216 feet high. The dimensions are given in the book of Revelation. So you know you've got a pearl that it's least 216 feet high, and who knows how wide. A single pearl, all I got to say is, that must be one massive clam. On the oceans of planet heaven, they got some pretty monstrous clams. Thank God they're friendly clams. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know for sure that that's how it happened, but... Clearly, there's a technology at work there that we don't have working here on planet Earth. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. The next item in the opening statement that I've been reading every session is, they look like earthlings on the outside, but on the inside, they are very, very different from the residents of this world. I'm referring to us aliens. Whether you realize it or not, you are an alien. You are not of this world. As I said just a few minutes ago, you got an earthling body, but on the inside, you were born from planet heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You are different than everybody else that doesn't have that same spirit of God on the inside of them. You are different. You got superhuman power on the inside of you and regular earthlings don't have that. Amen. We are different. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if you've been born again, you're a new creation on the inside and you study it out. It actually says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, which never before existed. In other words, there's no precedent for this type of being. You were born again as a new creation. He didn't just clean up your old spirit. He removed your old and he put in the new. Amen. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 23 and 24, that that man on the inside was created after God in true righteousness and holiness, just like Father God. Amen. So you are indeed very, very different from the residents of earth who haven't had that change on the inside of their bodies. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. After a prolonged period of waging warfare for the hearts and minds of the people of planet Earth, these aliens, that's us, will be removed by their leader and will be teleported to the capital city of their home planet. All right, for almost 2,000 years, we have been waging warfare to remove the veil of deception that the enemy has placed on the hearts and minds of all of the other earthlings who haven't had the same change on the inside that we have. Amen? We are waging warfare. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 in the New King James Version says, But if our gospel be veiled, it is veiled to those that are lost, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Amen. We need to keep shining our light as a church, as the people of God, until our leader comes for us and transports us to our home planet and our home city, New Jerusalem. We call this the rapture, as Joel already alluded to in his Holy Ghost anointed scripture reading. And because it's so important to this whole timeline, this whole scheme of end times that we've been talking about, I want to take another look at our timeline. And then I want to reread the scripture we've been using for the rapture and then add another. Okay. First of all, everybody's familiar with the first coming of Christ. And then almost 2000 years of the church age. If we had a little pipper up there, we could show you where you are now. Like the map in the mall. You are here. You are at the end of the church age. Right. Hey, man. Thank you. Media department. That's where we are. The next big event after worldwide revival is the rapture of the church. So I want to read some scripture to validate that this is actually going to happen. You know, there are believers who do not believe in the rapture. Just because the word rapture doesn't appear in the Bible. 
Well, those same people believe in the Trinity, but you can't find the word Trinity in the Bible. So, you know, let's talk about this. Let's see what the word actually has to say. It's really hard to get around the rapture if you believe these scriptures that I'm about to read are the word of God. Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18, New King James Version. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, it's talking about being caught up in the air. So it's kind of hard to argue against the rapture, which is the catching away of the church, if you believe this is the word of the Lord. And then verse 18 says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, I want to say a word about this. Notice that on our timeline, we have presented here in this alien invasion course and with this timeline, what we call a pre-tribulation rapture timeline. In other words, we believe the rapture first, then the tribulation. I don't believe the church is destined to go through the tribulation. We're not appointed to wrath. Okay. All right, so when you think about that and you read this description of the rapture and then verse 18, Paul says to the Thessalonians, therefore comfort one another with these words. Now, if we were going through the rapture, that statement doesn't really make any sense, does it? In other words, you know that the world is going to be judged, but be comforted because you're going to be taken out before it is. Every other biblical type in the Bible has the righteous removed before judgment falls. The rapture will be no different. The tribulation will be no different. All right, and then 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, which Joel read by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a companion scripture with Thessalonians 4, 16 and 18. All right, that should be 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 18. It's a companion scripture, and it makes a lot of sense. We're going to be caught up, but we're also going to be changed. So verse 51 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means not everybody is going to be dead when this happens. Some of us are going to be alive. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Woo! Let's take a glory stop right there. Glory to God. Anybody else out there? We said this a lot, but it, it bears repeating. Anybody else out there besides me looking forward to your new body? Raise your hand if you are. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So there it is in the scriptures. We're going to be caught up. And we're going to be changed and we're going to be changed into the image of Jesus himself. He has an incorruptible, immortal, indestructible body. And so will we. In fact, everything that Jesus paid for with his blood, with his death, burial, resurrection and ascension, everything that was bought and paid for has already been delivered to you except for your new body. Amen. That's the last thing. And you've got it. And it's waiting for you in the showroom of heaven. Amen. Glory to God.
After a short celebration in their capital city, these aliens will assemble the greatest army that the universe has ever seen. Now, the marriage supper of the Lamb is the celebration that will take place in Jerusalem on planet heaven immediately following the rapture. So we're going to be raptured and then we're going to be taken in to a great feast where we're going to wine and dine with Jesus himself. Amen. You can read about that in Revelation 19, 7 through 9. We covered this in a couple of sessions, um, a couple of sessions ago. All right. Amen. Headed by their fearless and powerful leader, they will be teleported back to earth, successfully invade this planet, conquer the armies of the earth, and set up their own worldwide government. Sounds cool, doesn't it? Revelation 19, 11 through 21, we covered this extensively. Jesus comes back to earth and he comes back in glorious fashion and we come back with him, an army of saints behind him and we invade this planet and we take over planet earth, amen. We're gonna be the ones that stage this alien invasion we've been talking about for six weeks now, amen. Is that cool or what? Tell somebody that doesn't know Jesus, there is a coming alien invasion. They'll probably go, yeah, I believe that. (laughs) And then you can say, and I am part of it. Let me take you to my leader. Maybe you should use a little smoother approach, but that's just the sci-fi guy in me. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this is what's cool about the invasion. And, and, you know, a lot of people find it incongruent, look it up later, that you have the armies of the earth with all their modern weaponry, all arrayed to oppose the second coming of Christ, and he comes back on a horse, a white horse, and we come back with him also on white horses. And we talked about this before. It's cool to think about. In the stables of heaven in the stables of the new Jerusalem somewhere there's a horse with your name on it somebody get excited about that how many people out there love horses hey listen I don't know if they got wings but I know they can fly amen so but you know in terms of modern weaponry and lasers and GPS guided bombs which I personally have dropped you know a sword and a white horse seems a little uh, what's the word I'm looking for medieval you know, but I think it's God's way of saying, you know what? You come at us with the finest, most modern weapons that you have, the armies of the earth. And we come at you with horses and swords and we're still going to win. Because the power of God. Will overwhelm any natural power that man can assemble any kind of invention, any kind of weapon. And here's the real truth of it. The only weapon we will wield on that day, on that invasion, is the two-edged sword of the Word of God. And it will be enough to devastate the armies of the earth. Make them roadkill. And we talked about all the birds that will feast on their flesh. Not a pretty picture, so you don't want to be a part of this army. And I talked about it before, you know, Jesus is coming back to planet earth, the king of the universe, and you choose to oppose him. Definition of dumb. Don't do it. You know, (laughs) throw up your hands and surrender and say, listen, I don't know much about you, Jesus, but I'm willing to learn. You know, 
Don't slay me with that sword. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So after this celebration called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, then guess what? We're going to prep for invasion. Hallelujah. And we're coming back to take over this planet. Glory to God. And we're going to set up, after the battle is over, we're going to set up a government that will last for 1,000 years. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus will set up his kingdom and we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 and 6. We talked about this extensively last week. Amen. It's a fact, Jack. We will rule and reign with him for 1,000 years. Why? People say, why a thousand? Well, I happen to believe that man has been given the earth for 6,000 years. Each of those represents a day in the mind of God. Peter said, one day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. So we have six days of human rule and then one day of Jesus rule. And I think Jesus is coming to tell humans collectively, listen, you've had 6,000 years to rule and reign on this planet and you have made a royal mess of things. Now, I'm going to show you how it's done. I'm going to give you 1,000 years of peace and prosperity and longevity and adventure and fulfilling of your dreams like you never imagined. I'm going to show you how it was supposed to be done. Amen. That's why 1,000 years. And then it continues after the 1,000 years, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to talk just for a few minutes about this utopian world that we will help Jesus rule over. Now, I don't have time to go into all of the stuff we discussed. Go back in the podcast, listen to them from part one all the way through. But it is clear from the scriptures that in the millennial reign, there will be two types of human beings, superhumans with bodies like Jesus, immortal, incorruptible, indestructible, and then natural, normal human beings. Otherwise, who are we going to rule and reign over? We're going to rule and reign over these natural human beings, which will continue to multiply and populate the planet. Okay? Now, I'm trying to remember what I, why I said all of that. And it's going to be a glorious time for a thousand years. You can read about it in Isaiah 11, 8, and 9, and Isaiah 65, 20 to 25. It's going to be the closest thing to utopia that the earth has ever seen. Death will not be unheard of, but it will not be as frequent as it is now. Men will live for centuries instead of for decades. It's clear in the Bible that it says if they die at 100, people will wonder what happened. Only the cursed die that young. Okay, So they're going to live as long as the antediluvians lived. Anybody out there know what that means? The ones before the flood. Amen. They live for centuries. And it'll kind of be like the first peeling back of the curse. You know, one of the first things of the curse is it started to deteriorating the lifespan of mankind. Isn't that right? Man was intended to live forever, and the first batch lasted to almost 900 years, and then by the time you get to Abraham, you know, 200 or less, okay? Well, we're going to get back to the time of the anti antediluvians, and we're going to live, or the natural human beings, not us, but the natural human beings that we rule over are going to live for centuries, not for decades, the animal kingdom will be at peace. Nothing will have to be eaten so something else can live. Also, humans and animals will live in peace. We talked about if you want to have a pet bear, you can have a pet bear. He won't hurt you. 
But as I said, it would be a pretty large litter box. You have to figure out how you're going to do that. <laughs> Amen. Your kids will, will play with cobras, and the cobra will be their best friend. You know, you imagine Stella playing with a cobra, putting her hand in a cobra. Hey, little cobra, how you doing today? Trust in me. It's the line for the Jungle Book. How many knew that line? (laughs) Grew up on Jungle Book. That was the, the, I guess it was the python, wasn't it? You know, that's the way I view the devil. (laughs) Trust in me. I'm not going to listen to a word you say, pal. Because I got a visual image of you, and you are the liar of the universe, the father of lies. Amen. How did I get off on that? Glory to God. All right, so here's where we're picking up the action today, and we're going to finish the series. At the end of the thousand years, the alien leader will put down all remaining rebellion and will begin to fundamentally transform the nature of this planet. Revelation 20, verse 7 through 15 in the New King James Version. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. I want to stop right there. I want to convey the gravity of what we just read there. You know, even though there's going to be a thousand years of near utopia on planet Earth, prosperity at levels never imagined, peace and longevity, adventure and life lived to the fullest, there are still going to be grumble bunnies that do not like the fact that Jesus and the rest of us are ruling and reigning over them. And they're going to be longing for the day that somebody comes along and helps them take the yoke of, quote-unquote, the oppressor off their back. Now, it's difficult for me to visualize or even imagine how people living in that era will still want to rebel. But I think it harkens back to the scripture that says he will rule them with a rod of iron. That means there will be peace on the earth, but it will be an enforced peace. That means there will be rabble rousers and there will be people who cause trouble from time to time trying to rebel against this utopian government of Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I can't imagine anybody like that. And so this next verse here just blows my mind because it says, that Satan will go out and deceive the nations and all of a sudden there will be an army that will be raised up that are innumerable. Too many to count. That many rebels living under the millennial reign is hard for me to imagine. Okay, And, you know, last week we talked about, actually a couple weeks ago, we talked about how that Satan during the thousand years, he's locked up, he's shut up. In the bottomless pit, the angel shuts him up in more ways than one. He shuts him up in the prison and shuts his mouth so he can't deceive the nations. And all of his demons will be neutralized. And we'll have a thousand years where the devil has no influence at all. But in God's wisdom, he knows that some will want to listen to him. So it says there in Revelation that he'll be loosed again for a short season to deceive the nations. And that's what's going on right here. 
at the end of the thousand years, the devil is let out. All of his demons spread out all over the world, and they start spreading all their lies and speaking against the Lord and his anointed. That's us. And they mount a rebellion. I'm here to tell you they have a war, but it's a lot shorter war than they imagined. So let's read on. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. This battle was over before it begun. In other words, Jesus and the Father God have determined enough. We will have no more rebellion. And the minute it rises up, it's put down. Then verse 10 says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. More horrible than you can imagine. Let me remind you again that brimstone is sulfur that is molten and burns natural brimstone, burns at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Who knows how hot this spiritual lake of brimstone is? And keep in mind that the, the beast, which is the Antichrist and his false prophet, they were thrown in right at the beginning of the thousand years. So they've been there for a thousand years, and now the devil gets to join them. Amen. I love it. The first three residents of the Lake of Fire. What a great honor. It's not an honor I want any part of. Amen. Hallelujah. So just imagine, even if it was just natural brimstone, taking a bath, the closest equivalent that you can visualize is going to one of those Hawaiian mountains that happens to be, you know, overflowing right now and finding you a pool of lava and diving in and swimming around forever and ever and ever. Oh, by the way, you're never consumed. You just feel the pain of burning. You're never consumed forever and ever and ever and ever. Not a pretty sight. Like I said, if you're born again, you, you ain't going there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. In other words, this great white throne of judgment put fear into the forces of evil on the earth and in the heavenly atmosphere. That's satanic kingdom and i saw the dead small and great standing before god and books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one according to his works then this is the good part then death and Hades, King James says hell, then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The only way you can, you can interpret that is whoever the spirit of death has a hold of and whoever's already in hell, the contents of hell and those gripped by the spirit of death will be dumped into the lake of fire, okay? And this is a little-known fact. People think that hell and the lake of fire are the same thing. The Bible does not teach that, okay? 
There are people in hell right now. They're in flames. They're in torment right now. But what they don't realize is the worst is yet to come. There's coming a day when they're going to be resurrected. This is this this is going to be a horrifying day for them. They're going to be resurrected with bodies like us. And then and and they're going to be like us in the sense that they're going to get their physical bodies back, but they're not going to be incorruptible like ours. okay? because they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire in new bodies designed to burn forever in the lake of fire. And never be consumed. Horrifying. I shudder to think of it. You know. Listen. If you love God, if you're born again, I don't care whether you're struggling with sin or not. You are not taking part in the lake of fire. So don't let it scare you. Let it motivate you to get out there and share Jesus with people who don't know God. Because that's their future. And it's up to us to keep them from their appointment with the lake of fire. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In other words, first, you know, death and Hades and all of those that were, they were going to go there anyway. And then anybody that died, and I know I'm, I'm really covering over a lot of details. There'll be a lot of questions tonight at Bible study, but that's okay. Anybody, you know, there's a scripture in Revelation that we read last week or the week before. It says the rest of the dead did not come back to life to the end of the thousand years. Okay, That's referring to anyone who died during the tribulation or I believe anybody who happens to die during the millennium. They'll be raised up. That's why the book of life is included, because there will be some who were believers who died during that period. And their name will be in the book of life and they'll be granted entrance into heaven. Okay, that's my personal belief. Before we go any further, let's take another look at our timeline. Okay, Because everything we're going to talk about from here on out is beyond this timeline. The second coming of Christ is the alien invasion that we've been talking about now for seven weeks. And then the millennial reign of Christ is the thousand year reign of Christ. And then right there at the end of the millennial reign is when the great white throne judgment occurs. And after that, the new heaven and the new earth and eternity. Amen. All right. So the next couple of items, I'm going to read all three of them. uh, were from the end of the opening statement and we'll kick it off from there. He will transport the capital of his world through a space time portal across the vast expanse of the universe and will make it the capital of this world forever. He will rule this planet from this capital and will radically change the environment of our world to make it perfectly suitable for his people and his way of life. Planet Earth will never, ever be the same. Now, hang with me. We've got a few more scriptures to read, and we'll go through them real rapid fire. Amen? Because we've got to wrap this up. Revelation 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Now there are two interpretations of how the new heaven and the new earth will manifest. The first holds that the existing universe, including the earth, the moon, and the stars, will all be destroyed and replaced with a new universe and a new heaven and a new earth. 
The second holds that the earth and its atmosphere will be renovated by fire, cleansed of the works of man and the works of the devil, and will be made new in that sense. I hold to the latter, and it's reflected in my opening statement. I believe God will begin to fundamentally transform the earth and its atmosphere until such time that all vestiges of the curse are removed. Psalm 148, 3 and 6, King James Version. This is why I do not believe the universe will be destroyed and then replaced. Psalm 148, 3 through 6 says, Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. So if the sun, the moon, and the stars were established forever, I don't see how they can be destroyed. So there's got to be a different way of looking at it. Also, Psalm 89, verse 34 through 37, King James Version. This is about God's promise to David. My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. So if the entire universe is going to be destroyed, this seems to be out of sync with that because it says the sun and the moon will endure like the throne of David, which we all know is going to endure forever. Amen. Okay, so praise God. Verse 37 says, It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Everybody with me? So it doesn't make sense that the earth is destroyed and then replaced. The earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies are all destroyed and replaced. It doesn't make sense and it doesn't jive with the word of God. So Revelation chapter 21, verse 2 through 5. So, Let me back up. Just think about it like this. The earth and the atmosphere will be renovated by fire and all the works of man and works of the devil will be cleansed and it'll be renovation and all things will be made new. You'll hear that again. All things, behold, I make all things new. And that's the beginning of the process. Revelation 21, verse 2 through 5, New King James Version. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So now the new Jerusalem is coming out of heaven. It's coming across the vast expanse of the universe into our atmosphere. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Amen. So God is going to make all things new. And he's going to fundamentally transform the earth and the atmosphere and cleanse it from evil. Amen. Hallelujah. And that all happens after that last bar there, new heavens and new earth. And when it's all said and done, here's the end result, which is awesome. Revelation 22, 3 says, and there shall be no more curse. Every vestige of the curse will be removed. So let me conclude by saying this. Residents of earth, do not fear. As I promised, I have shown you in your Bible why all of the things I have just told you 
will surely come to pass. Amen. Glory. Everybody take a heavy sigh. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the series on alien invasion. If you want to get the most out of it, I recommend that you go back to the podcast and listen to each episode in sequence and write down the scriptures, look up the scriptures and study the word for yourself. Don't believe it just because Pastor Scott said it. Look in the word and find out what it says to you. Amen. Hallelujah. And I believe as you do this, it'll give you a basic feel. A broad view of the end times topics that we've discussed. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the conclusion of today's message titled Alien Invasion. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.